Awesome. Welcome to another episode of DTM Starter. I'm joined here with uh, Dan Sanchez, who he's he understands marketing, he understands podcasts. So I'm excited to dig into that and learn how we can apply that both like at the startup stage, but also personally and at, at your jobs now. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Dan. How are you doing? Certainly, I'm doing well, Dale. Awesome. Well, uh, so I was listening to your podcast. You're a co-host on a B2B growth podcast. And I was listening to your episode about um, like a T-shaped marketer. And excellent, ex- ah, sorry, excellent episode. I enjoyed it. But at the end, I don't know if you add this to the end of all your um, podcasts, but it's kind of talking about your company. Uh, and it started off right at the end with a quote from Gary V. And so I just wanted to, I don't have the exact quote, but it was essentially all companies need to be like think of themselves as media companies as well as whatever they do as a business. And so I'm curious, okay. uh, what are your thoughts and how how are companies lacking in that? And like just overall, uh, what have you seen? Um, for a long time, companies have been like overly dependent on just uh, paying to be on other people's platforms. Anytime you're paying for ads, you're paying to be on someone else's platform. And I'm not necessarily against that. I think paid media is fantastic. But we all know it's much more powerful to own the relationship, right? If and that you should be like offsetting paid media with owned media all the time as much as possible. (laughs) So if you have no owned media, then you have no choice but to pay for it. But it's way more powerful and much more endearing if you get to control the experience from the beginning even like build your own media website, it's going to be much more powerful over the long run, though it does take a lot of time in order to build that kind of an entity. Everyone needs to be heading in that direction. I mean, slowly, most people are. It's like, what what company have you seen that doesn't have a blog these days? It's pretty rare. They all have blogs, right? So they're already taking steps in this direction. And people have been saying this become a media company thing for at least 10 years now. So it's not like anything's new, but it's taking companies a long time to get there. But the ones who get there faster are certainly the ones who are calling the shots and have more leverage. Yeah, and and for like, I've noticed that, that like that's one hundred percent true. Those who have control of that media, who can produce, who can engage with content, um, even if they're not making the most money, they're the ones who have like more power in that in their particular industry. Uh, for a lot of business owners, especially like small business owners. Um, who are still early in the stages, don't have a large team, it's really tough for them to, to like, if they want to start a podcast and then put that on YouTube and then have uh, awesome social media and then just like uh, a great blog and, and go down the list of uh, being that media company as well. Do you have any suggestions on, for those small business owners who are just getting started, maybe don't even have much experience in media, how they can get started into it, even if it's not like a full-on plan. Yep. I think the easiest way to start, I mean, I'm a little biased here because I work for Sweetfish Media, but I think podcasting, honestly, what you're doing right now and interviewing me is by far the easiest way to start. Um, uh, doing web-based interviews and either turning it into a YouTube video, but I actually think it's a stronger podcast than it is a YouTube video. Um, it just creates what I call pillar content or what Gary Vee calls pillar content, right? You have this one big substantial piece of content that this interview will be like 30 minutes long. 
um, you can then use that to chop it up into smaller pieces of micro content for all your, your smaller platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and wherever you want to go. And I usually come up, if you're just getting started, come up with a two channel combo, right? Some place to post the pillar content and some place to post the micro content, right? If it's podcasting and you're selling to B2B, uh, you're selling to businesses, then I'd say podcasting and LinkedIn are going to be your best bet. If you're B2C, maybe YouTube and like either TikTok or I don't know right now. I guess a lot of people are still on Instagram, but it's hard to get reach on Instagram. Maybe Twitter um, is your best bet for that pillar content to get discovered. So gaining competencies in those two different things go a long way. Awesome. And and, and like I agree for me, I, I feel like some people, they'd rather write a blog post and like dig into that than get a mic, hop on a call and interview. For me, it's definitely easier to have this conversation. Um, and so w- once you once you get that mic, like I think a lot of people, they know what a podcast is, but when it comes down to it, they don't actually know how to get started. And this is something where when I was looking into podcasting like uh, around a year ago, I had no clue. I, I had to call my brother and he had to explain that like, I, at this point, I didn't even know like websites needed a host, so I was I was kind of clueless when it came to that. And so I'm sure there's a lot of other people who are in my boat didn't know the first steps to take. And so if you're a business owner trying to start a podcast, you know you need a mic. Uh, what are the next steps that you need to do to get that podcast up and online? Uh, you don't even need a mic, honestly. Um, the best mic most people own and don't know it is uh, the really cheap um, Apple headphones, the ones mm-hmm. here. Oh, it's stuck. These guys right here, the cable ones that everyone like threw in a closet or a drawer somewhere after they upgraded to AirPods. These are your best headphones. The reason is the the microphone actually has like a smaller pickup range because it's closer to your mouth since it hangs down low. Um, so the microphone on these actually sound decent, way better than AirPods do um, or other headphones. Like if you can buy just buy the $80 mic, go for it. Like the audio technica I'm using, and I think you're using too. Um, It's just not a very expensive microphone. It sounds great. It's plug and play. Bam, you're ready to go and sound pretty professional. It's what we send to all our customers. Um, But that Apple, that cheap Apple headset that you got for free with your iPhone or iPod long ago, that works pretty dang good. Um, After that, just you need a recording software. If you have a Zoom license because you're using it at work, bam, just use that. Record the Zoom call. It gives you audio. It's fan. It's fantastic. We just we use that for years. We just recently switched over to another level of tool called Riverside, which is specifically for remote interviews, and it gives us slightly better audio quality. That's great, but you don't have to start there. We didn't. Um, if you so, if you don't want to use Zoom or you don't want to pay for Zoom, then a great free place to start, like you're using Skype here, but I don't know what Skype gives you as far as audio. If it get only gives you video, then you have to be able to split the audio from the video. There might be some free online tools to do that. Otherwise, I'd suggest um, Uber uh, Uber conference. You can get 45 minutes for free and record the audio. And it just gives you the audio, right? And 45 minutes is plenty long for most interviews. If you find you need to do a pre-interview, then you could do a separate call as a pre-interview and then get back on for the interview if you need it to be the full 45. Um, you can literally take that audio upload it to a free podcast host. Um, I could recommend Anchor or Sounder. Uh, It's anchor.fm or sounder.fm. Both are fantastic. 
I think Sounder is a little bit better in that it gives you a free transcript, which is cool. Because then oh, you, can, awesome. you can post that with the blog post, you know, take their awesome embed player and then post the transcript below it as a blog post. So that's, again, now you're in podcasting and you're in a blog post, which is cool. Um, Anchor is nice because you can do the recording right on Anchor if you want. You can, it gives you a little bit of audio editing tools if you want to crop in a little like um, kicker in the beginning and a, like an outro at the end. So, but honestly, you don't even need those. Like the way you started off the podcast saying, welcome back to podcast name. My name is today. I'm with that's like, that's what you have to do with every podcast. And then you introduce the title of the show and you're good to go. Like it just doesn't take a lot. It's a very simple method. I love it because you don't even, you don't even have to come up with the content. You just ask questions and they come up with the content. Like I've been talking most of the time and Dale doesn't have to, Dale doesn't have to do anything, but listen and get ready for his next question. <laughs> so yeah, no. that's how I would start. Yeah, that's that's an awesome point because I know I've I've tried making content like just me and I've realized at the point I'm at, I'm I'm still in college. I'm not an expert, so I may be able to teach someone something, but like I love this interview because also as you're interviewing, even if you're you're in your space, you've been running this business for 15, 20 years and you're interviewing other people, you're learning stuff as well, which I think is an added benefit that um, maybe not be uh, maybe an unintended benefit when you're trying to market with a podcast. Um, and that that's true. Like I feel like a lot of people, myself included, like I think I need this mic. I need I need all the best stuff because you kind of have that that fear that if you don't put out something amazing, everyone's going to hate it. Um, it's like no one's going to listen and. And so what's your advice to kind of coming over that fear of, I think a lot of people may have that initial fear of just posting content initially, and, and that can be a tough thing to get over. Have you, do you have any like strong advice for people who are facing that? Yeah, you just have to learn how to be okay with looking clumsy. Hold on, I got to plug this in. I think... I think everybody can, if you reset your expectations to the fact that you're just going to look awkward at first and just be okay with that because you're a beginner and most people are okay with that. And the good thing is, is you're, if you're just starting out, like no one's going to hear you anyway. <laughs> like the first couple of things <laughs> yeah. you post, like I've seen a first couple of your first couple of videos, they have like 10, 17, 50 views. Like they just don't have a lot of views, but as you get better, you start to get more views. As you start to learn how to promote it better, you start to get more views. So the very first many episodes are just practice and it's okay to screw up. Yes, it's publicly online, but go look at any famous YouTuber and go to the beginning of their channel. Embarrassing. It's so bad. But at the same time, it's, it's hopeful for me because I'm like, dang, I can look like a, I can make the biggest mistakes in the beginning and be okay with it. I will get better. And it's kind of like that growth mindset process. If you just know, like, that's okay. It's going to be awkward in the beginning. Everybody's awkward in the beginning. First time you go to the gym is awkward, right? You just have to try and get better and you get uh, little small improvements and all of a sudden a year, if you actually just do the work and think about it producing volume rather than qual qu uh, quality, I'm all for quantity, man. The more you can do this, the better. In fact, if I were you and you really want to get better, do like 10 times as many shows and just post them all. <laughs> um, the more people you can interview, the more you can uh, host your, uh, hone your craft as an interviewer, asking more questions. 
um, getting better for prepping people for the interview, doing it afterwards, posting it, editing it. There's something about volume that forces you to get better at faster. So um, do this more and you'll just get better and then it won't be a problem anymore. You got to get over the awkward stage. Yeah. And I like that volume, like, like putting out more episodes, the better, because it's not only that you're doing it more often, which naturally makes you better, but it's, it's putting that pressure on you where it's like all of a sudden your schedule is full with doing this podcast stuff. And then kind of having that added pressure, I feel like almost when you get in that zone where there's just enough pressure on you, that's when like everything starts clicking. You start getting better faster. You start doing stuff more efficiently. So I think, I think that's a good tip that I'll need to start reaching out to more people so I can have more of these conversations. Um, but as like a question with that volume though is as you scale the podcast let's say you start getting a um a pretty good sized audience and you grow it to like um to a, maybe even a larger audience than you imagine cuz that's kind of what the beauty with content is you keep at it and it just eventually it starts clicking and grows a lot faster than you would expect uh would you still keep up with that volume or would you scale back a little bit with like volume and try to focus on higher quality or maybe even longer episodes? Um, I wouldn't scale back for just for the sake of quality because quality is, is, I don't know, like it's just different people's opinions about what quality is. Okay. Um, I would keep pushing on quantity. The hard part about pushing on quantity is that it becomes exhausting sometimes. So I'll give you an example with my LinkedIn journey. I just, I started pushing hard on LinkedIn for the first time about late spring of last year, like very end of April. I decided I'm like, LinkedIn's my thing. I'm going to push on LinkedIn until, well, I'm just going to push as hard as I can for as long as I can. Um, I had a few people around me that really knew LinkedIn too. So I was learning it with them and they were coaching me. And I went from posting every day to posting twice a day and then to posting three times a day, sometimes four times a day. Um, and I'm spending a lot of time on this. I'm getting also help from my content team, but most of it's me <laughs> posting multiple times. And I'm not just posting, I'm engaging with tons of other people. I'm commenting on every single comment on my posts. Um, I'm putting like three hours of time into LinkedIn every single day throughout the summer. And it worked really well. Like I engaged a lot of people. I made a ton of friends and that's partially how you and I got connected, right? It was on LinkedIn. Yeah. Through, someone mentioned my name who was somebody I connected with probably a few months ago on LinkedIn. Um, and now LinkedIn's a freaking powerhouse for me. It's amazing. Like I'm up to about 15,000 connections, followers, and I couldn't imagine being at this point, but you know, it's through volume that got me there. Some, some posts did really well, some didn't, but I didn't know. I thought the posts that were going to do awesome because I spent a lot of time like perfecting it. We're going to hit and go viral. They didn't. It's the, you'd be surprised which ones like actually go viral and the, which ones really resonate with people that they message you about. They're like, man, that post hit me, hit me like deep, you know, and like actually resonated with me. I'm going to do something about that. You're like, wow, that was just like something I just threw off off the top of my head. It's even got a, a typo in it, but for some <laughs> reason that was the post that worked. So I think don't go after qual quality, it, but you do want to again, improve and make it better, but it's done mm -hmm. through quantity. And I think if you could post, if I could post 10 times a day to LinkedIn right now, I would, 
but it became exhausting to keep up specifically with all the comments, <laughs> like engaging with everybody all the time. Like that, that part is really hard. I don't know how Gary Vee does it and he doesn't respond to everybody, but that's where his 12 hour a day work days, like really start to pay, play out because he's been doing it for so long. Yeah. Th- and that's insane with like the power of social as well. Uh, and, and that's like you said, that's how we got, connected was i made a post about this podcast saying hey anyone that you want me to reach out to that i could set up a conversation and that's how that happened uh but it it can grow so quickly when you are adding that value to people which is which is a great point um and and speaking of linkedin i've uh we've been connected for a couple days so i I haven't been following your post very long um and you touched on the i asked you a question similar to this at the beginning you touched on it um, but I, w- I want to dig a little deeper into this at this point. Uh, so you made a post where you're talking about how you have a tough time transitioning from like consuming content to creating content. Um, and, and so I, I made a comment on there that I almost have the opposite problem that sometimes I, I get one idea and I want to run with it. Uh, and, and you made, I don't know if this was the same post or a different one, but you said like, you're on track to read a hundred books this year. And, and so I know like both creating and consuming are important. Do you have any like tips specifically for me on how I can use my time more efficiently, not only to create more content, but to consume as much as I can so that the content I do create is more valuable to people? Yeah. I do consume a lot of content. I also create a lot of content. I do find that they fuel each other. I think if you stop trying to pretend like you know everything and just say things like they are all the time, or I don't know, like in the very beginning, it's hard to say things with authority. Um, mm-hmm. So it's always better. And even I'm doing this now myself in, in some some aspects, and I'll share share that in a second, but it's always better to just share what you're learning. Just share, oh, I've been reading this, so I'm going to try this at work right? You're, you're taking classes right now as a student. Um, you might be taking a class on analytics. You learn something new in that analytics class. You learn about linear regressions and you're like, dude, actually I could apply that to the way we're tracking leads right now, you know, or and maybe that you don't I, don't, I don't know what you're learning in, in school right now, but like you can actually take the small things and just talk about like, Hey, I learned this thing in school and it was actually really helpful. Here's what I did. That's good content. There's people mm-hmm. who are going to be just ahead of you or just behind, you. uh, just ahead of uh, behind you that are going to be able to apply that and actually take it. Even if you didn't come up with it, a textbook told you, and that's okay. Um, I'm doing it right now, even with uh, B2B growth. I'm still fairly new to B2B marketing. I come mostly from nonprofit, higher ed, B2C marketing. Um, and I don't know a lot about account-based marketing. It's a huge, huge thing in B2B marketing. So I'm doing 30 episodes in a row for the, or sorry, 28 episodes in a row for the month of February about halfway through the, the episodes now. And I'm approaching each episode as a student. I actually say it in the episode like, hey, I'm still a B2C guy learning B2B. Here I am. But today we're talking to this practitioner who's accomplished some amazing things via ABM. Let's talk about it because I have a lot to learn. And that's every episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay to start off as a student. And I'm still a student. We're all still learning. Yeah, that was actually like, that was really insightful because it's true that everyone, like the reason you consume content, the reason why people are watching a podcast or are, are on LinkedIn 
is they're hoping they can get some kind of value. And even if it's someone who's been in that field for 40 years and they're on LinkedIn, they're hoping to get some value too. So it's like they understand that they're in that boat that they want to learn. So it's they understand that I'm also in that boat. And hopefully that, that can apply to, I'm sure that applies to pretty much everyone who will hear this, even though it's, it's probably not going to be huge where I'm still starting out trying to get that quantity going. Yeah, um, I would say one one thing that people one mistake people make early on when they're trying to produce content is they don't think about who they're talking to and what that person wants to hear or what that person what might be helpful to that person. So then that ends up leading to you talking about you, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But then you mm-hmm. talk about the things that aren't relevant to that person, pretty much all the time, and you're doing that at scale. You're like nobody cares about. I mean. To some degree, they do, but you have to add a lot of value, and then they start to care about the fact that you like drinking coffee, or you have a specific thing that you do, or that you're a dog lover. You know, like those things are cool, but generally, most of your content needs to be about what you've learned and how it can help them. Does that make sense? Not yeah. Hey, here's my morning routine. You're like, okay, that's that's for Facebook. (laughs) Your (laughs) friends and family care about that, but. Um, if you want to be helpful and gain a following, then you have to, most of your content has to be focused on how it could be helpful to others. Yeah. And, and then even once you have that following, you probably, I would assume you want to keep that like 95 plus percent of adding value. And then, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure at least eight out of 10, I just yeah. posted that I love Yerba Mate a couple of days ago. And I'm like, and some people like for a few people, they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Me too. You know, and now the bond between me and that person's a lot stronger because we both have this common ground of loving yerba mate, which <laughs> is a, my like alternative coffee choice. <laughs> um, so it's good to throw out personal things too, is I think it gives people more ways to relate to you. But at the end of the day, it's about how you can help them. That's insightful. That's the thing that I'll have to make sure I keep in mind and future episodes with this that try to find what people are looking for and answer their questions through the interviews. Um, but I, I know one question that everyone who's going to be like going back to the podcast route, one question everyone has when starting a podcast is um, how, like what are the steps that they can to, that they can take? Like what's the most efficient way to promote it and grow it? Cause if they've been, let's say they've been doing episodes um, like twice a week for six months and they're still only at uh, 50 people watching or listening, uh, what steps would you suggest to them at this point where they've kind of got that quantity down, they're in a rhythm as far as creation, how do they grow it? Okay, I have two thoughts. One on how to grow the audience and one about a totally different method that most okay. people should consider with their podcast. Um, so when it comes to growing, and then I'll share like what I think you should actually do. <laughs> if you want to grow your podcast, there's there's three as a marketer there's three primary ways of growing your podcast there's earned media paid media and owned media those are like the three major buckets or category of getting your stuff in front of other people so if you're going to look at owned media then do you have following elsewhere are you posting every episode to facebook and twitter and linkedin or wherever you have it um are you doing it well because a lot of people even on LinkedIn do it wrong. They just post a link straight in the post, which means LinkedIn's going to bury it because LinkedIn doesn't want people to leave. Instead of actually taking the podcast, giving a short summary, and then posting the comment or posting a link to the podcast episode in the comments so that LinkedIn doesn't bury your, bury your post by the algorithm. Um, little things like that going a long way. And then, of course, doing that, creating a system for promoting it with every single episode. 
So that's taking advantage of owned media. Do you have an email list? Do you have a website? Is it being talked about on your website? You'd be surprised. I have a lot of customers with uh, Sweetfish Media and I'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many times I'll walk you through like, oh, well, how come you don't have a link to your podcast on your website? Oh, no link in the header, no link in the footer. You don't have a page for your podcast on your website. What you do for your blog, let's get one for your podcast. So simple things like that go a long way. Of course, there's earned media. Like if you can figure out how to use uh, podcasting for SEO, there is a way to do it, but that's one way. Um, naming your podcast in such a way so that when people are searching for the thing it is that you do, you can be found. For a long time, we just called it B2B growth was just B2B growth. That was the full title. And then we added a colon and added a subtitle, a daily show for B2B marketing leaders or something like that. And guess what? We started getting ranked in the the, <laughs> the Apple app store or the, the podcast player for people searching for B2B marketing, right? Because I just didn't load the keyword mm. into the title. So like little things like that. And then of course, paid media, you could pay to grow your your base faster. If you don't have owned media and earned media, you can pay to get it grow it faster. And I do recommend if you do pay for it, send people to a landing page where they can subscribe by email and then send them on the thank you page of that. Uh, load all the links for all the different players where they are more likely to subscribe and listen to. But you have to capture their email address if you're going to pay for it. Otherwise, you don't even know how good, how well those ads are working. You just send them to Apple. Apple's not going to tell you if they subscribed or not. So you won't know which ads are effective or not. That's good. That yeah, because I've, um, like a lot of my background is, uh, we discussed a little bit about this before the show, is in paid marketing. And so obviously for this, I am i don't want to like dish out like a lot of money that I'm not ready to spend that like for paid media. I'm not trying to scale this super fast, but that is a good point for anyone who is like for their business or personal and they want to go all in on the podcast you need to make sure that you don't like you need to understand how to run the ads, but you need an awesome landing page and you need that email because that email is invaluable in a lot of yeah. cases. And I would say if you're new to ads and you want to grow your podcast, unless you already know how to run ads, don't do it. Figure out a different mm -hmm. way. Try to do it for free. Um, in your case, you're studying digital marketing. You're also working for a digital marketing agency. Like learn. It's better to learn the ads on somebody else's dime. <laughs> yeah it's hard to get there but i know there's like a you know chicken and egg problem because you're like well how do i get the experience to get the job where they pay me to do that well just get a general marketing job and then just start volunteering and making proposals to run facebook ads and say you'll figure it out take a course you know but and sometimes they just hand it to you but it's it's a lot easier to learn on somebody with somebody else's money than it is on your own money it's not it's good to learn with your own money too because then you're extra careful but um, let me, t let me tell you about the, what I would do if I were you, if I were starting a okay. podcast from scratch, because this is going to lead to more, if you're, if your aim is revenue and this is going to lead to more revenue faster. your aim is just make relationships. This is going to build more relationships faster. Or if your aim is to get a job, this is going to lead you to getting hired by the right people much faster. So we like to call this method content based networking, not content marketing, content based networking. And it's essentially, let's just work backwards from a revenue perspective. You work for a company. You work for Setfire Creative. I can see it on your shirt right there, right? Yeah. Setfire Creative needs more clients, right? And they probably have a package that they offer or a, a, a bunch of different services, digital marketing services, maybe. Um, if you need more customers, first, you want to identify who are those customers. Who, who are the ideal customers? The customers you love getting 
They're your favorites to work with. They pay you the most money. They give you the least complaints. Who are those people? You create a list of those people and then just go who, and then you think who, who in those companies are usually the ones to make the decision to hire us, right? Maybe it's the VP of marketing. So great. You make a list of a hundred companies you would love to do business with. You know, they're not doing digital marketing well, but they, but they have a marketing department and they have a VP of marketing. Great. You go find the VP of marketing on LinkedIn. You invite them to be a guest on your podcast. In fact, you might call and maybe you specialize in like healthcare or something. So you go and find all these healthcare VPs of marketing. You call it the VP of the healthcare, the healthcare marketing exec, executive show. That's what the name of the show is called. <laughs> you would go invite all those guys to be on your podcast and you're going to build relationships with all of your ideal buyers at scale. These are people who would never give you 10 to 15 minutes of their time. And of course, in the interview, you can talk to them. They get, you get to know them. They get to know you. Um, you can build relationships with them, follow up with them. You're essentially adding value to them by shining the spotlight on them and what they're doing and how they're doing well. In the meantime, you get to build a relationship with them and maybe even share your services with them uh, towards the end of the podcast or after, after the show goes live or something, if you feel like they're in the market for what you offer. I promise you will make way more money from the podcast doing that over and over again. At the same time, that content is going to be awesome because it's mm -hmm. this, what they have to say is exactly what all their peers want to hear because everybody wants to know how their peers are like killing it out of the marketplace because it doesn't get talked about. Usually we're used to hearing from link, uh, thought leaders who aren't actually in the trenches of doing the stuff. Um, and that's the fastest way to getting revenue, but you could do it for a job interview. Like if you, wanted to get hired at a big tech company, then I would call it big tech executives, the podcast. And I would just start interviewing them all. <laughs> um, and then, or maybe tech, big tech executive, like HR executives, right? Cause, or whoever, whoever, whatever the job title is doing the hiring, you make the show about their job title and then you just start interviewing them all. Trust me, you're going to get a job offer really fast. One, because you're learning from all the best of the best. And then two, you're just building relationships with all the right people because it's all about who you know, right? <laughs> Not about your resume so much. And that's awesome because then the podcast becomes not only a major part of your networking, but then if you have a business already, it becomes probably a major part of your sales funnel. And so it's, yeah. it's driving a lot of other goals while you're also creating this awesome content that will yep. attract people to your company as you the grow The content it. and the audience growth is the long-term game. A content-based networking is the short-term play and it works magic and it has it has even ways you can't even quantify it because all relationships add up all those people you know you'll you'll get introduced to people you didn't even know you needed to be introduced to you'll have helpers show up that you didn't you're like oh yeah, yeah, yeah i interviewed that person a year and a half ago and all of a sudden you had a problem they showed up with an amazing solution because of that relationship you still had right those they just make everything better <laughs> but of course they lead to revenue and or job and or whatever you're shooting for too that's that's really good advice um i hope that anyone who hears this who is on the edge about content or uh, doesn't know a direction to go can take this and especially those who are already have a business going and hopefully that gives them the motivation to see that a podcast isn't wasted time that hopefully it turns into something for the long term but you can see short-term results right now, and you're also building something awesome for the long-term. Well, I, I think that was awesome advice for me personally. As I said, I hope anyone who watches this gets, gets something out of it as well.
thank you for joining me, Dan. I thought it was an awesome conversation. I learned a ton. Um, and everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening. Um, and you, you can expect more content from me after this pep talk from Dan about getting more episodes out. So thanks for joining me today.